I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The dam is breaking. You can't contain the red wave forever. It's noon for Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. And I know I always say that the same way. Maybe people don't understand what exactly that is because I've had some people get in touch with me recently who used to follow on Instagram. And they're like, don't you have anything like that anymore? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I talk about it every day. Go on Telegram. It's exactly the same. You get to follow me. You get to see all the stuff I post, except It's even easier and better because the links are direct. They can preview. It's super fast. You can forward it in an instant. I can put up pictures. I can put up my sentences. I can put up articles. Nothing ever gets taken down. Nothing ever gets suppressed or restricted. That's what it is. It's like every social media app and WhatsApp all together in one perfect app. So that's what the telegram is. T.me slash I'm your moderator. If you go to that one and just join the information stream, then all you get is the information. No comments, no distraction, just everything I'm posting and reading and thinking about throughout the day. Got it? If you want to talk to people, if you want to comment, if you want to direct comments at me, then you go to T.me slash I'm reasonable And that's the whole discussion thread where everything from the info stream gets pushed right into the chat and then people can discuss. And I'm on there. You can also find me on Gab. I post there occasionally at I'm your moderator. I would do it more because Gab's an okay platform, but, you know, I've never built a following there. So I'm kind of screaming into the void a bit over there. And let's remember I've been banned from Instagram and Twitter, so I don't really have another way of building that unless I'm going to advertise, which I'm not going to do, or unless people are sharing it themselves and spreading it through word of mouth, and I hope everybody is. That would be awesome. Share it with your friends. Go on over to iTunes. Leave it a rating. Write me a review. That stuff all helps. The Frank Speech platform is getting closer and closer every day to being at full launch. They have opened it up for being able to post content. And I've begun to do that. It's at Chris Paul over there. And then I have the merch site, which I will get back up to snuff very soon, or I might take it off the Teespring platform completely because I don't know how all my stuff got taken down there. I also (laughs) got My one and only YouTube video, my very first YouTube video that I put up the other day, questions for Mr. Fauci. It's also on Rumble, by the way. You can go see it. It got taken down for real. They got me that fast. 
two days, brand new post from an account that had never posted before. And they got me. And so, of course, I'm allowed to appeal. And I said, hey, you guys understand that you're basically Nazis now and that you are going to lose, right? Like, why are you doing this? There's no misinformation here. But there, the, the new YouTube standard for misinformation is anything that conflicts with the WHO. So now our American free speech is being curtailed by a China-led international governing body with a much bigger plan than actually trying to keep people healthy. So that's good. That's safe. And of course, I've also had numerous posts removed from Yelp. So I am better at getting banned from platforms than almost anyone. And I love it. I want to push every one of these platforms to the limit because I think it's hilarious. And I also want like a nice paper trail of how much these companies have censored people. But anyway, today is the 98th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden, who has now been given an adjunct professorship to teach a class about media and fake news at a college. So that means that a college administrator is providing a payoff to Hunter Biden, which is almost definitely money laundering, and putting a person who is an obvious felon regarding his falsifying a government document when trying to purchase a firearm. That part's obvious. But it's also clear that his computer is 100% real and on that computer is just endless evidence of Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's family business, which, of course, is selling off American interests to our foreign adversaries for personal gain. There's plenty of evidence of that. And there's also... Plenty of evidence of sexually compromising pictures of minors, even aside from what there is on there from Hunter Biden, who, by the way, started his own you porn channel. Hunter Biden, the fake president's son, had his own you porn channel where he was posting self-filmed pornography. The fake president's son was doing that. But apparently that doesn't bother Tulane University, who has now decided to put Hunter Biden in the mix with a bunch of young college girls. Good idea, Tulane. There's no way that could end badly. There's no way that Hunter would do drugs and try to have group sex with them. I wonder if the parents of these women might ever actually stand up and say, hey, Tulane, I don't really appreciate you putting a crack addicted, sex addicted, completely degenerate person in the classroom with my daughter. 
How does that not happen? Do we just give a pass to anything? Whatever's done by a member of the party of false decorum is just okay now. It really doesn't matter. There is no standard. There is no morality. That's all for times past. Congratulations, members of the party of false decorum. Your desire to constantly be impressing people, placing that above your own personal morality is exactly how this country got here and how all this corruption has existed for so long. So pat yourselves on the back for ordering another round for the House. Right off the bat, I want to do a self fact check on the story the other day about Kamala Harris's children's book. There is a counter narrative that these books were merely donated and the pictures of the books in the kids stuff was a result of books being donated. They were like in care packages for children apparently. And so the claim is that neither Kamala Harris nor the government were responsible for that. If that turns out to be correct, obviously I take back my disdain for more corruption, but doesn't change the fact that those books are payoffs and that hers is communist propaganda. It is good to know that they're not actually buying those books with taxpayer money and then giving it to the kids. So if that part's wrong, I rescind and I am happy to know that they haven't done one more really evil, destructive, corrupt thing. Now, I have fact-checked myself more than the Washington Post intends to fact-check Joe Biden from this day forward. Their fact-checker, Glenn Kessler, wrote, here's the Biden database, which we do not plan to extend beyond 100 days. I have learned my lesson, and this is from the Epic Times. In elaborating on the lesson he learned, Kessler said, who knows what the next four years will bring? We have fact-checked Biden rigorously and will continue to do so. <laughs> yeah. Biden just doesn't apparently lie enough for it to be worthwhile for them. And it makes sense that the Washington Post doesn't want to have a fact checker because it would basically negate the entire rest of the paper. If they were going to write normal Washington Post news and opinion and then have a legitimate fact check in the same paper, it might as well just be a match that lights the rest of the paper on fire. And so it's good to know that Kamala's book is not being given to too many children, but that isn't really helping Kamala. She tweeted out yesterday, today I met with Guatemalan community leaders. They have invaluable insight into what is happening on the ground in the wake of hurricanes, drought, and the pandemic. I look forward to working with them to help the people of their country build a more hopeful future. You got that? So amidst the border crisis, which she refuses to go view with her own eyes, she meets with the Guatemalan community leaders and discusses 
the climate and the COVID. Two problems completely unrelated to the border crisis, no matter how many times they try to connect them. Just because some dumb university communist can come up with a way that climate change affects their little pet project doesn't make it actually true. The problems in Guatemala that are helping to cause the migrant crisis have nothing to do with hurricanes, droughts, and the pandemic. The border crisis has one cause. This fake regime that is currently trying to set the rules. They encouraged people to travel to the border. They encourage the cartel exploiting a weakened border and making half a billion dollars a week by bringing illegal immigrants into this country where they are then enslaved. And no, that's not hyperbolic. That's what's actually happening. We have a modern day slave trade and it is sponsored by the same people responsible for the KKK and Jim Crow. That's right, the Democrat Communist Party. And I suppose after saying that, I would be remiss not to extend a warm Wednesday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists who might have thought the show was something different and that I would welcome them earlier. And now here they are 12 minutes in wondering what they signed up for. And the truth is, redeemable communists, this is what you signed up for. But if you do it for a few more weeks, if you can just ride it on out and let your ego just diminish slightly, you'll become an American again. And trust me, it's a way better existence. Now, down in Arizona, the audit is continuing. The judge, Daniel Martin, is expected to render a decision today on whether or not to have an injunction which would pause the audit. I don't think it would be a full shutdown from what I'm hearing. It's just, it would just be a pause. They're trying to delay. They're trying to drag it out past May 14th when the lease on the facility where they're running the audit ends. It's all just delay, delay, delay. And they're trying to get Cyber Ninjas to release all of the information on exactly what their processes are. No one is exactly sure why they're doing this. It seems to me like they are trying to figure out ways to sow doubt in whatever these processes are, or potentially they have already understood that Arizona is lost and they are going to try to combat individual processes in other states going forward or try to make it so that cyber ninjas can't be involved in any of these audits so that they can go to people like this Mark Lindemann guy who's supposedly doing the New Hampshire audit. So we're going to see later on today what's up with that. And I noted yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, that this guy Daniel Martin is a former Brown and Bain associate and that company has now become Perkins Coie. Perkins Coie is in Arizona doing the Democrats' dirty work. This is all guided by Mark Elias, 
who's basically Hillary Clinton's handler on legal fronts. This is one of the most corrupt and anti-American men in the country. So Gateway Pundit decided to dig a little further into who appointed this judge. And I'm going to just quote from the article. The headline is breaking exclusive new judge in election case in Arizona. Judge Martin was picked by judge and wife of Maricopa County Supervisor Bill Gates. This is not Microsoft Bill Gates, obviously. The first call made was to the office of Judge Pamela Gates. It apparently is currently her responsibility to appoint judges in civil cases in the state. Here is a portion of Judge Gates's bio from the state's website. Judge Pamela Gates was appointed by Governor Jan Brewer in September 2009 to serve on the Maricopa County Superior Court. Judge Gates currently serves as the civil presiding judge. Prior to her rotation on the civil department in June 2018, Judge Gates served as the associate presiding judge of the criminal department. A call was made to Judge Gates's office. The woman who answered the phone said that it is Judge Gates's responsibility to appoint judges to civil cases in Arizona, except for election and related audit cases. This lady shared that for the current election audit case, it was Judge Thomason who selected Judge Martin for the case. So a call was made to Judge Thomason's office. The lady who answered the phone said that for the current case, Judge Thomason did not select the judge for the case. She said that the judge's name was provided to their office and Judge Thomason released the information on who the judge was. The woman shared that for recusals, it's the presiding judge who appoints the judge. She then shared that it was Judge Gates who provided Judge Martin's name, and they have audio of that. Judge Gates is married to Maricopa County Supervisor Bill Gates. Here is the state financial disclosure where Judge Gates notes her relationship with Bill Gates, and they have a little graphic set in there. The American Bar Association has a code of conduct that all attorneys must abide by. A judge must avoid any impropriety or appearance of impropriety. A, this is Canon 1 from the Code of Conduct. A judge shall uphold and promote the independence, integrity, and impartiality of the judiciary and shall avoid impropriety and the appearance of impropriety. Judge Gates has a clear conflict, if not an obvious appearance of conflict, in any cases related to Maricopa County elections and audit. She never should have selected Judge Martin for the current case. She should be recused, and Judge Martin should be recused, and a new independent judge should pick an independent judge to oversee this case. So Judge Pamela Gates, the wife of one of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, Bill Gates, chose who was to preside over the election audit case. This is the same. This same Bill Gates is part of the group that has done everything it could to prevent an audit of Maricopa County's 2020 election results. His wife just appointed a Janet Napolitano appointed judge to the Maricopa County election audit case. Now, there you go. This is excellent reporting. You know, it's funny. The last six months has changed a lot in the way people look at news and information. This outlet, Gateway Pundit, is the sort of place that people would be hesitant to quote because, you know, it looks a certain way and the writing is not always on a high level. But the reporting they do and the facts they get out are really valuable. And that's not how communists think of any of this stuff. They just are like, well, I've never heard of that. Or they, they make fake news because that doesn't agree with CNN and the New York Times. It seems like the country's gotten away from a lot of that. I mean, maybe it's just my perspective, but 
I'm hoping that's right. Anyway, this is about as clear as corruption gets, okay? Bill Gates and the rest of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors have spent the last six months trying to shut this down. And that really is just about where we are. We're about a week away from six months since the, since the election. There should be no doubt in anyone's mind why the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors was so adamant about not having an audit performed and why this guy, Bill Gates, is key in that. And the fact that his wife's office said that she was not responsible for the decision, but it turns out that she was, well, that's really bad news for the Gates family of Arizona, not the Washington Gateses, not the, not the Wuhan Gateses. <laughs> that's, that's the Wuhan Bill Gates, not the Arizona Bill Gates. So this whole thing seems corrupt as hell. This is the sort of thing that can be put in place by people who are really genuinely corrupt and trying to cover things up. And we can see this happening in Georgia as well. You might remember this little twerp, Gabe Sterling, who was like Brad Raffensperger's right-hand man. He was out there complaining that somebody's going to get killed if we talk about election fraud any longer. And he was just one of the parts of the rhino cover-up. These people are not Republicans. They're not conservatives. They're simply members of the party of false decorum. They're members of the uniparty politically. They do whatever they have to do. But here is his panic. This audit, in quotes, in Arizona is another step in undermining confidence in elections. This process is neither transparent nor likely legal. Any quote unquote findings will be highly suspect now that chain of custody has been violated by partisan actors. Now, he's in Georgia, okay? Gabriel Sterling likely doesn't have inside information about the Arizona election. But apart from that, he's saying that the audit is another step in undermining confidence in the elections. Okay, well, Gabe Sterling, no one in the country has confidence in the elections. Okay, there's 30% or 40% of the people who are communists and voted for Joe Biden who probably think that they got the right result or that even if it was fraudulent, it doesn't matter. Those people would immediately flip back into believing in election fraud the next time they lose an election, the same way that they did with Stacey Abrams in 2018. So those people also don't have confidence in the elections. And then, of course, we are well over 50 percent of this country understanding that Joe Biden did not win a legitimate election. Okay, that's not in doubt. So confidence in elections has been undermined and it's been undermined by people like Gabe Sterling. Now, let's pay attention to how he describes this. This process is neither transparent nor likely legal. Well, it is legal because the Senate's doing it and judges are allowing them to proceed and nothing has stopped it. And they're doing it according to the law and they're actually being really precise and taking extra care to make sure 
that everything they do is legally airtight. And as far as transparency goes, they have the thing filmed all the time. Every bit of this audit is being done on camera. Okay, this is the most transparent election audit ever. This is far more transparent than what happened in Georgia. We have video of someone pulling a suitcase of ballots out from under a table and then running through them through a machine over and over and over again to just create 30,000 votes. That's on video. And Gabe Sterling came out to say that it was debunked last fall or last winter, whenever it was. So on one hand, we have a company who specifically sets up an entire array of cameras to film every inch of this audit. And it's being streamed live. Anyone who wants to can watch it anytime. That's what's going on in this process. And Gabriel Sterling is saying that's not transparent. While he has helped cover up hidden camera that exposes actual crimes. And then speaking of chain of custody, as he does here at the end, there are still 400,000 ballots in Georgia with zero chain of custody. Zero chain of custody. They should have never been counted. They are all illegal ballots. And Gabriel Sterling knows this. This is panic. This is the same thing Dominion did a few weeks ago, saying that all the audits are ridiculous. They're coming out with these statements. No one's calling up Gabriel Sterling to ask him. He's just expressing how dangerous it is that this process is happening. Why don't they want the audit? You know, last year when I had uh, come out with a, a Keep America Great hat on Instagram and I started getting attacked nonstop forever. One of the strangest attacks on there was some girl who I don't believe I've ever met, but she was commenting on my life in Hollywood, working in nightlife and celebrity outreach. And she said she like tried to diminish the thing I was saying by calling me a cokehead. And I was like, well, okay, that's crazy. I have never done cocaine once in my life. Now, I've been around cocaine a million times in my life, but I've never done it. I've literally never touched cocaine. I've never tried cocaine. I certainly was never a cokehead. Okay. My response wasn't to freak out and then start emailing everyone I know. Hey guys, just so you know, I never did cocaine. doesn't matter what this girl says. I just never did it. I never did it. I never did it. That would be crazy. I would look guilty. Instead, I laughed at her and I said, well, okay. Produce one person anywhere in the world who has ever seen me do it. I have literally, I know thousands of people find one who's seen me do cocaine. Are you suggesting I just do cocaine at my house and don't tell anybody about it? So that I can hide my dangerous habit? Of course not. 
I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting accusation. By all means, produce the evidence. And of course she couldn't. And so I laughed at her. I don't understand why Democrats who believe that this whole election was completely legitimate and that there's no way that Donald Trump won and there's no way that there's millions and millions and millions of fraudulent votes, as of course there are. Why don't they want it investigated so that they can laugh and point at us and say, ah, you're so stupid. I told you you're so stupid. Oh, my God. Seriously, they hate us. They legitimately hate us. What could be better than having this audit run and showing us, nope, it's exactly like how we said it. There's no problem here at all. You think I'm not going to laugh at Rachel Maddow until the end of days after this is over? Of course I am. I'm getting exactly what I want. But if she was right, if she had confidence she was right, then she would be able to shut people like me down immediately. She should be encouraging the audit. Who in the world acts this way? Guilty people, right? This would be like watching watching uh, Columbo or like Murder, She Wrote. But like watching Columbo and they discover a murder and Columbo's like, oh, well, I, th- I guess we got a case here. And everyone else is like, well, we, well you know, yeah, I mean, sure, the guy's dead. And we don't know who did it, but I'll tell you what, it's definitely not Dave. (laughs) Who knows who killed that person, but it's not Dave. And everybody agrees that it's not Dave. And and Columbo says, oh, okay, okay. Uh, Just one more thing. Is it Dave? And why are you telling me it's not Dave? Why are they trying to make it impossible to investigate this thing and why are they making it so obvious that they're trying to make sure it's not investigated it's because they're guilty right no one even needs to question this we know all the processes by which they executed the fraud it's been six months of constant investigation this stuff is locked in all right there is no one on the planet who would ever believe that this election was legitimate if they didn't have censorship. Okay. No one would believe anything that CNN says that the New York times says that Joe Biden says, blah, 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 all the way down the line. No one would believe any of this without censorship. Censorship is the only thing that allows this stuff to continue. Without censorship, the fake news media would be exposed immediately. No one would believe the things that they say, the things they write. Because it has no bearing on reality. It has no connection to reality. People understand reality. They can view it. They can sense it. They can touch it. That's what's so difficult about being a communist and being in the party of false decorum. You have completely surrendered your individuality, your discernment, and your personal morality to the party. You are so concerned with impressing people. You are so concerned with being accepted by this group of morons that you relinquish all your personal autonomy. 
which makes you amoral at best. Once you surrender your moral judgment to someone else, you are a non-person, okay? You are only a vessel for influence and evil. That's it. There's nothing more. They're afraid of investigation because they know what the investigation will show, period. Now, speaking of investigations into totally fake stories, boom segue, a beautiful piece appearing today in the National Pulse, April 28th, 2021, Capitol authorities had advance warning of January 6th riot, but refused to act on intelligence. New emails revealed that authorities at the U.S. Capitol were warned in advance of troublemakers at the Capitol on January 6th, but refused to take action. Their reluctance led to a peaceful rally being turned into a riot and ultimately a cudgel with which to beat Donald Trump and his supporters. MSNBC and CNN are both reporting that, quote, newly revealed internal emails show an outside group warned Capitol security officials one day before the January 6th insurrection about a series of troubling social media posts calling for people to storm the U.S. Capitol and kill federal employees. Evidence that concerns about this kind of online chatter were raised in yet another way ahead of the attack, but ultimately still dismissed at the time. End quote. Of a demonstration of hundreds of thousands of people, 400 have now been charged in connection to the riot at the Capitol, and none related to President Trump, his team, nor his most vocal supporters. Instead, agitators appear to have planned their behavior on foreign-run sites like Aitkun and free speech platforms like Parler, according to the reports. We will storm government buildings, kill cops, kill security guards, kill federal employees and agents, the Aitkun post read, according to the email. Even CNN reports. Roughly three hours later, the same data miner representative followed up with Capitol security officers, alerting them to additional online chatter about storming the Capitol that was beginning to emerge on the social media platform Parler on January 5th. That message prompted an officer to notify the Capitol Security Command Center. But even after reviewing the posts, officials there were adamant that there was no indication of a credible threat. Internal communications show. Quote, there is now chatter on Parler about storming the Capitol. Please let me know if there are any updates to credible threats. Read an email from Valerie Hasbury, chief security officer for the architect of the Capitol. The architect of the Capitol is part of the board that oversees U.S. Capitol Police and helps provide security on Capitol Hill. But after consulting with their supervisor, an on-duty officer responded to Hasbury's email saying, quote, there is no talk about any credible threats or storming the Capitol, end quote. Watch Commander Wisham said he would look through his emails and systems to make sure, and if there is any information, then he will forward it to us, the officer added. The architect of the Capitol and U.S. Capitol Police did not immediately respond to CNN's request for comments about the emails. The National Pulse blew open the narrative that President Trump riled up rioters in advance of the incident, and we destroyed the media's use of Officer Brian Sicknick as a propaganda tool against Trump supporters. Sicknick's family had urged his death not be used for political motives, which the media and the left immediately ignored as they proceeded to lie about his cause of death. Now we know authorities at the Capitol declined to act on reliable intelligence, while it was President Trump who demanded the National Guard was deployed in order to stop any potential violence, whether from left or right. Now, that's not all that's coming out about January 6th. So, just the news yesterday. 
Ashley Babbitt's family announces lawsuit against Capitol Police officer in fatal shooting. Attorney Terry Roberts said the officer had, quote, no legal justification for shooting her. And of course, we can see on the video evidence that that is true. Uh, This is Nicholas Sherman in Just the News. The family of Ashley Babbitt, fatally shot by U.S. Capitol Police during the January 6th Capitol riot, says it's filing a lawsuit against the officer who shot her. The lawsuit follows the Justice Department announcing earlier in the month that it will not pursue criminal charges against the unnamed officer who shot Babbitt as she tried to climb through a broken door window inside of the Capitol building. The department said there was insufficient evidence to pursue such charges. The family and I were disappointed in DOJ's decision, but my role is to bring a civil action and in that way vindicate her rights. Terry Roberts, the family's attorney, told Newsmax on Monday. Still, Roberts argues there is enough evidence to put forward criminal charges against the officer who shot Babbitt, a military veteran from Lakeside, California, who was 35 at the time of her death. Clearly, the officer had the required willfulness. He clearly could see that she was not armed. She did not present an immediate threat to him, and there was no legal justification for shooting her. Roberts argues that the officer did not warn Babbitt, who was trying to enter the speaker's lobby just off the House floor before shooting her, and that the officer should have been charged. The family says the yet-to-be-filed case will allege a violation of Babbitt's constitutional rights. And good for them. Obviously, it did. It is amazing to me that these articles still do not contain the name of the man who shot Ashley Babbitt, which is believed to be William Bailey, but we're not totally sure. Why is it okay that this officer shot her just because the communists are mad and sad about the very deadly insurrection? It turns out that not a single Trump supporter was responsible for anyone's death. And there is absolutely no way to justifiably make the claim that this was any sort of insurrection either. The Capitol building has been bombed before by a group called the May 19th organization. In that group was a woman named Susan Rosenberg, who served 16 years in prison for bombing the Capitol until Bill Clinton pardoned her on his last day in office. Now Susan Rosenberg sits on the board of the fiscal sponsor, Thousand Currents, for Black Lives Matter. That's an actual domestic terrorist. This is a girl who was allowed into the Capitol building by security forces, and then she was killed by them. And they won't even release the name of the officer. And of course, as I've mentioned before, the Capitol Police are not subject to Freedom of Information Act requests. So how do we solve that one? But wait, 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 it gets worse. Because it turns out that there's actually no proof whatsoever that Brian Sicknick was attacked with bear spray either. And now they've had to admit it. This is from yesterday. Federal prosecutors admitted Tuesday the man accused of spraying chemical irritants into the eyes of fallen U.S. Capitol Police officer Brian Sicknick used pepper spray or mace, not bear spray, as previously implied in charging documents and press releases from the Department of Justice. During a bond hearing Tuesday, defense attorney Joseph Takapina told U.S. District Court Judge Thomas Hogan that his client, Julian 
Cotter of State College, Pennsylvania, can be seen on video and still images during the Capitol riot, appearing to use a can of pepper spray or mace on three police officers, including Sicknick, not bear spray, as has been widely reported. Takapina argues the distinction is important because it demonstrates Cotter was acting in self-defense after he was sprayed with chemical irritants rather than executing a pre-planned attack on Sicknick and his fellow officers. He was reacting to getting sprayed seconds before, Takapina told Hogan, saying uh, Cotter used the pepper spray or mace on officers roughly five seconds after being sprayed himself. This shows it was not a premeditated planned attack. It was reactionary. So this is just another media narrative breaking down. We go from this guy killing Brian Sicknick by bludgeoning him to death with a fire extinguisher to Brian Sicknick maybe having died as a reaction to having been sprayed with bear spray to now not having been sprayed with bear spray at all and just maybe being sprayed with pepper spray or mace. But he still died the next day. And no one knows how, but he got two strokes. And there were two other officers who died, quote unquote, as a result of the very deadly insurrection except they committed suicide. Why did they commit suicide? I guess we'll never know. And then we've got Ashley Babbitt. So really, what was the violent part of the January 6th insurrection? Well, we have these groups talking on Parler and Aikun, talking about coming in, these actual agitators, people that actually intended to do things. Now, that's if we believe those messages are legit and not just a setup. It's amazing that they went to those platforms, two platforms, by the way, that the mainstream media and then the communists wanted shut down. They've been trying to shut down Aikun forever because of Q. And they wanted Parler to shut down because it was attracting tons of users and it was basically becoming a conservative Twitter and it was highly functional. And they won that battle. Parler's back on the app store, but who cares? No one's even using Parler anymore. So we know that the agitators at the Capitol were Antifa with John Sullivan. CNN accompanied him into the building. A CNN reporter, or I guess, what is she called? A photojournalist, to be precise. She also works for NPR, I believe. She walked in with John Sullivan. John Sullivan led the bashing down of the doors and windows. Okay? That's his work. And then we've got Proud Boys who, I guess, work all the time with the FBI. And then what else do we have? Just random Trump supporters? No, not even really them. The entire story about January 6th was a lie. We know for a fact that the people who are in charge of the Capitol Police, and who are those people? Oh, yeah, the leadership of the House and the Senate. That's Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, and Kevin McCarthy. They all had the information. The information was there. This is all being reported even by the communist outlets now. There were warnings. There were plenty of warnings. Donald Trump asked for 10,000 National Guard troops. This cannot be blamed on Trump supporters. And again, as I said the other day, once we find out that Arizona actually was a complete fraud, every single Trump supporter is more than justified to be at the Capitol that day. 
That's exactly where they should be. This whole thing is a disgrace. This is basically a declaration of civil war against American citizens. They have called an entire half of the country domestic terrorists and seditionists and insurrectionists. They are taking away people's rights to speech. Now, I'm no fan of Nick Fuentes. I don't even know his work. I know he's said a bunch of things that people find offensive. I don't read his work. I don't care about the things he says. If you tell me he's the worst person on earth, I'll believe you. If you tell me he's a real nice guy, I'll believe you. And then when and if I find out for myself someday, your assessment of Nick Fuentes will reflect on you. Simple. That's how it works. Doesn't have to be complicated. But I don't care what he says. He's been put on a no-fly list. He's not allowed to go on airplanes in the United States because he's now being politically persecuted for his beliefs and the things he says. What kind of country are we supposed to be, Joe? Is this the unifier in chief that we were told so much about? At the same time, they still champion Black Lives Matter Antifa as they smash and burn throughout the country. They go and hit buildings with sticks and throw their poopy. Yes, they do both things. Not making it up. Last summer, they were literally filling water balloons with human feces and throwing them at police officers. That's what kind of people these are. And we're concerned about people going to the Capitol to protest a fraudulent election. This is where we are now. And of course, people are seeing this. This is why this is never going to stand. But it's still despicable. Now, just an update. The hearing in Maricopa County has gotten underway for the day. And the judge has made a quick ruling that the injunction will not be granted and neither will a temporary restraining order. And he has told the, pl- the plaintiffs that they can seek an appellate decision, but that he is not going to side with them because they have not produced any proof that the ballots nor private voter data are being breached. And I guess the plaintiffs actually tried to make the argument that passing a black light over the ballots was going to somehow ruin the ballots or spoil the ballots. That is incredible. I mean, what is the light supposed to do to them? The only thing I can think of is that the black light would prove that those ballots were never handled by a human and that they would then be illegal. So perhaps the black light might render that ballot fraudulent and disallowed. If they're going that route, that's very bold. But it looks like the plaintiffs are once again screwed and the audit will continue. Every day that audit continues, they are closer and closer and closer to the truth being unavoidable. So this is awesome. And I hope everybody checks Mike Lindell out on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. And, you know, I was in a couple of chats today where they were like, well, I don't want to give Jimmy Kimmel the ratings. Like, oh, okay. (laughs) That's very precious of you. But it's actually better if we do give Jimmy Kimmel the ratings and show them that if they actually did anything to cater 
to America first, to MAGA, to Trump supporters, and to the truth, there actually is an audience out there who's prepared to see it. I expect Mike Lindell to go on Jimmy Kimmel and talk extensively about election fraud. Maybe he'll talk about how masks don't work. Maybe he'll talk about all of it. And for the first time, that mainstream communist audience of Obamis and Romneys will actually hear what's really going on in the country. And that's nothing but a good thing. So push those ratings up. Who cares? It's one night. It's not like you're going to become a new Jimmy Kimmel fan. Make this the biggest show that they've ever seen. Make it bigger than the Oscars. That would be brilliant if Jimmy Kimmel with Mike Lindell got higher ratings than the Oscars. That would be fantastic. We are also supposed to get some decision on the Cobb County destruction of ballots. There's a hearing going on today in Georgia, so I'll definitely try to update that tomorrow. Uh, And then finally, you know, I was still looking at and thinking about the CDC guidelines that Joe Biden walked out to present yesterday. And of course, he wore a mask while alone by himself outside and fully vaccinated and then joked that he was just doing it so that he could take it off as part of the show and then walk back in and put it on when he's inside. I mean, give me a break. He then was worried that he would get in trouble for answering questions from the press. You know, like real presidents do. (laughs) Real presidents always having someone else tell them what to do and then getting in trouble if they don't do it right. (laughs) Joe Biden's not president, guys. All right? Presidents don't get told what to do, and they don't get told not to answer questions. And they especially don't have those restrictions on their behavior when they're not trying to hide anything. Joe Biden's handlers know that they have a ticking time bomb that they have to fully control before he blows the entire charade up in their faces. And now I thought he was going to be speaking tomorrow night, but he's going to be speaking tonight. And in a room that fits 1,600 people, they're going to have 200, quote unquote, for COVID. It's basically going to be the same invite list as the people who attended his fake inauguration on the 20th. Apparently, they're worried about having him lie in front of people who might say, hey, you're lying. (laughs) And the fake regime has not even bothered assigning a designated survivor, which is someone in the line of succession who would be left out of the venue in case the entire venue were blown to smithereens by like a nuclear weapon. That's why they started the designated survivor protocol. So Joe Biden's going to pitch another almost two trillion dollar bill called the American Families Plan, where he is going to ask for all sorts of money to basically have the government take your child from you and put them through government preschool, government public school, and then government college. So basically every child in America would be under the control of the government from, what, age three to age 22 
What could go wrong there? I wonder if the Nazis had a program for children. What would they have called it? Oh, yeah, the Hitler Youth. (laughs) That's basically where we are at this point. We have a hate movement that wants to indoctrinate children from day one. Congratulations, commies. That's all you. You did this. You got everybody free education. But back to the masking thing, I just want everybody to remember what it was like a year ago almost. You know, after the COVID thing was the scariest thing that ever happened, we get a few months in and then we're told now we need to wear masks because before they didn't do anything. But now if you don't wear one, then you're not protecting the rest of your community because my mask protects you and your mask protects me. And then a few months later, my mask protects both of us and your mask protects both of us. And then a few months after that, two masks are better than one. So very consistent on the science here. But let's think about what the restrictions actually were last year. Okay, the CDC did not say that people had to wear masks outside. Why? Because that's moronic. There's been no spread of the disease outside. But some states stepped up and did that. California stepped up and did that. They tried to say that if you go on a jog outside, you need to wear a mask. And so then everybody just decided that that's what we now have to do for safety. Really, they were just doing it to show everyone else that you have to have a mask on all the time. That's just totalitarian enforcement of a viewpoint. And of course, that's the point of the entire thing. But they didn't recommend masks outside at all last year. And now it's being presented to everyone as a loosening of the restrictions. But only if you're vaccinated. So last summer, no vaccine existed. And there was also no mask guidance in place for outdoors. Now the vaccine does exist and we have mask guidance for outdoors. And sometimes the mask guidance even applies to vaccinated people. And yet we still have maskies all across the country who are prepared to take this advice, take it seriously and obey. And I've been going to the gym and you can watch people interact there. I mean, you don't no one is required to wear masks there, which is awesome. And so smart people don't. But there's still a bunch of commies there wearing masks the entire time. And then you can see the people that are either germaphobes or horrifically scared of the coronavirus, even though they could go get the vaccine and probably have. But they're they're scrubbing everything down. And if you were to say to these people, hey, why are you being such a pussy? They would be like, well, I'm not being a pussy. I'm just following the rules. And that's when you say, ah, really? So following the rules leads you to the exact same conclusion as just acting like a pussy. Is that what you're telling me? And if that's the case, doesn't it make you wonder why the rules are there? Pussy? 
I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!